Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, it's just relax, gently return your thoughts to what's going on with you and God rather than what's going on in your life. Just let him make himself known to you. Remember, he's right there with you. You don't need to get his attention. You don't need to you don't need to fill him in on what's going on in your life. He has crafted what's going on in your life for you. For your benefit. A lot of times it doesn't feel that way. But this is part of the process. Both to separate our reality from our feelings and emotions, but also to build confidence in God's love for us. We can only build that confidence through experience. So day by day, the more we can release our soul to return to our spirit by accepting that at least some of of what we believe, some of what we hold dear, some of our foundational understanding is wrong. That's okay. Nobody has a corner on the truth but God, but spirit. You know, we look at our motivation for doing things our purpose and our reason. And what if our motivation was based on mistaken reality? You know, God's fine with that. This is part of our, what's interesting is that you and I who are looking to develop a oneness, spirit, soul, and body, and that's our, that's our focus, that's our desire, that's what, we have our eyes set on is to become one spirit soul and body we don't need to worry or argue or defend any religious position any doctrine any theology or in a sense even any behavior because we know that God has everybody on their own path, always leads to him. Whether here, right now, here on this earth, or what comes next, or what came before, or, you know, any other dimension, any time realm. But that's his job. That doesn't mean we we ignore or neglect, but we pay attention to the homework assignments that God gives us as he gives them to us. Rather than being distracted by what is meant by being a Christian here on this earth, especially, you know, 
in Western religions, Western civilization. I've been involved in different kinds of ministries, local and, and international, for quite some time. And what seems to come up most is that the our faith is to be in the leader's foundation of the scriptures or doctrine or theology or sect, you know, um, denomination. You know, if, if a denomination says this person is qualified to lead this church, then we're supposed to have faith in that person because somebody else says this person is qualified. And what happens when we take on that responsibility to be the one to have faith, not in someone else, or a doctrine, but in God himself. When we say, when you, when I say, I want to know for myself. And this is, this is valuable to me that I can know for myself. Not just about God, but have a relationship with him. And most of us don't even know what that looks like. And again, we can go back to Adam and Eve. You know, they they were one with him. They were one with each other. They were in constant relationship with him. And yet, it was God who wanted more. God wanted more for them and from them. He wanted them to experience things that they could not experience by having all their needs met. So he came up with a strategy, and again, you know, he had it all along. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. But the whole idea of us learning through our experience learning through our lack, learning through our need to reconnect and learning how to reconnect with God and for our soul to reconnect with spirit. Now, in the grand scheme of things, Jesus was born and died and resurrected. You know, let's just round it out for for our sake, 2,000 years ago. That's not really that long. And it's only since then that anyone has been able to have a restored relationship with God. And we could get into some some fun conversations about Elijah and different you know, Moses and different situations where God manipulated death and time and and made a way around his plan. And maybe sometime we'll do that. 
But for you and I, this is the way he has set it up, that he would create in us what's valuable to him. Now, what's valuable to him, do you think it's going to be valuable to us? If if God is spirit and we are begotten of spirit, are we going to have the same values? Are we going to agree with him that this is a good thing to be experiencing? Now, there's, you know, civilizations come and go, um, situations come and go, times of our lives come and go. We as people come and go. We're here on this earth a relatively short time. And we don't know what came before. We don't know what comes in the future. So really all we have is right now. And I think that's part of the whole beginning to understanding God's power and therefore our power and authority over time. That the more we are restricted by time, that, you know, we have to achieve a certain level, you know, a certain level, you know, a certain uh, uh, ministry, a certain uh, accolade before we die, let's say, or before we retire. We need to accomplish this, that, or the other thing. That's putting ourselves within the power of time rather than having power and authority over time. And it's not a matter of more time. When we look at eternal life, eternal life is not more life. It's not never-ending life. It's not everlasting life. It's not age and age, you know, eon and eon life. It's not what we call life at all. It's a characteristic of God. It's part of who he is. When we talk about God's nature, his basic nature is to love. And he shows that love, expresses that love by giving. Well, another characteristic is eternal life. It's what spirit is made of, eternal life. And I think that's, you know, we get confused by that. We get confused that the way we are existing now is just going to keep going after we die. Or maybe it started before we came here on this earth. And this is just one area where our beliefs and doctrines may hinder us in some ways from accepting what God may be doing in our lives. So if you think you need to accomplish something in order to have achieved what God wants you to here on this earth, that's where your your eyes are going to be. That's where your attention is going to be, your effort. You know, there's that old, you know, God gave me this body as a gift, and my gift to God is what I do with my body. Well, that's totally non-spirit. 
that's totally focused on the body and the soul and not spirit. And I think one of the reasons it's important to God that we learn about our soul is because it's the beginning to learning about our spirit. Now, your spirit doesn't need to learn anything. Your spirit is already fully one with God, fully engaged, fully understanding. So if you think you're right now, picture your spirit. If you've been born again, your spirit's been born again. That's what was born again, not your soul, not your body. You've been re-spirited. And for now, just visualize, you know, a picture, you know, a glowing light within you. Whether you want to say it's near your heart or in your body or in your soul, however you want to, or in your mind, however you want to do that. But, but it's within you. That's how far away all your needs being met is. It's within you. That's who you truly are. And again, going back to Adam and Eve, when they were walking around, they were spirit, soul, and body, each one. Adam Adam had a spirit, was a spirit, had a soul, lived in a body. Eve was a spirit, had a soul, lived in a body. And they were roaming around in the Garden of Eden. You could talk about the interpretation of that sometime, or the, the translation. But they didn't see each other by their soul. They didn't know each other after the soul. They didn't know each other after the body. They knew each other according to their spirit. Spirit to spirit. Because their spirits were alive at all times. Their spirit was exhibiting complete infiltration, complete saturation. It's a better word. Complete saturation of their soul and body. So their body was completely subsumed in the spirit. Their soul was completely subsumed, one absorbed in their spirit. And that's the way God created Adam and Eve. If you look at yourself in the mirror, that's not the way God created mankind. When Jesus was walking around, now I'm still thinking about this, you know, and asking God for more understanding. But remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus met with those who went on before him. And we think that they were explaining to him, this is what's going to happen. But they were all, you know, glowing and glowing. You know, they were bright shining. And, you know, the the disciples wanted to build a tabernacle. And Jesus was allowing his spirit, who he truly was, to return to its original state 
of infiltrating, of saturating his soul and his body. So your natural state is that your spirit saturates your soul and your body. What will that look like? Well, it will look like whatever God looks like. And, you know, from the best way we have to know to describe that is just a bright shining light. You know, we go to the Old Testament examples as, you know, it's always, you know, something so bright we can't even see it. You know, and uh, well, we won't go through the different examples. But the whole point being that what we see as as mankind is not what God created. God created Adam and Eve as spirit beings. They didn't know they were naked because they saw each other as spirit. And their soul, Adam's soul, Eve's soul, was fully satisfied. There was no reason whatsoever to fall to temptation, regardless of the source. So God intervened. And not sure how he did it, but I suspect I know why. It's because he wanted to accomplish something more. All creation was already in perfect reunion with him. All the animals, the earth, the angels, the demons, they were all in perfect union with him. And, and Adam and Eve, were, it was a homeostatic creation. Everything was running perfectly. Now, we've come up with this doctrine that, you know, this snake got in the the Garden of Eden, a serpent, you know, the liar, whatever. Well, how did that happen? Do you think that, oops, God didn't see that happen? He must have slithered under uh, the gate to the garden without being seen? No, it was part of his purpose. And and if Adam and Eve's soul was already fully satisfied with spirit, if all their needs were already met, how could they be drawn away by temptation? Unless it was God's intent. It was God's intent. Without, let's look at Christ, without the resurrection, I mean without the crucifixion, without his death, he could not be resurrected. We've talked before about that was his purpose. The purpose was not the crucifixion. The purpose, his purpose, was the resurrection. But he couldn't get to the resurrection without going through the crucifixion. And he couldn't bring us with him without the crucifixion. That experience that paid for all debt, that wiped out all debt and restored our ability for our soul to be restored to our spirit. 
So he did what was necessary. But the final goal was resurrection. And so for you and I, it's about restoring our spirit as the supreme, as a saturating, let's put it this way, saturation of our soul and our body. So your soul, think of your soul as, your, as a sponge. Your soul was created to absorb spirit. That's what it was created to do. And as your soul absorbs spirit, it swells like a real sponge and fills your body. Now, obviously, this is all just for illustration purposes. But you can also think of that spirit within you. That little glowing, you know, spark. Now, that little glowing spark is eternal life. It's love. It's life. It's joy. It's peace. It's it's power and authority. It's creator. It's God is. That little spark is. But that little spark is there for your soul to be absorbed into your soul, to saturate your soul, to fill your body, to restore you. I kind of think we need to get to where Adam and Eve were before we go beyond. And I think God wants us to go beyond. That's why he lowered us, so we could go higher. Think of a diving board, a springboard. To go, you know, when you bounce on it, if you, you know, go out at a pool and you go out at the end of a diving board and you just jump off, you've not gone higher or lower. You just go straight out horizontally into the pool. You do a cannonball. But if you want to go higher... That springboard, you start jumping on it, make it lower, and it springs you up, springs you high into the air, like a trampoline. I think that's, to a certain extent, an illustration of what we can see is what God is doing for humankind, humanity in general here on this earth, but us as individuals. Now, nobody likes to go into the negative. Nobody likes to go down. So we, you know, of course, we've built doctrines about being in the center of God's will. Nothing bad will ever happen. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to take the church out before, you know, the doomsday or whatever. So we don't have to go through anything bad. And yet, how many civilizations and how many you know Christians have gone through really bad stuff and are going through really bad stuff right now so that doesn't hold doesn't take much to to rethink that doctrine so what's important is that for each one of us as an individual in a sense Christianity true Christianity is extremely soul-centered 
your soul, my soul. I was going to say self-centered, but it's not yourself. It's your soul. But it's you. God is so invested in what he is doing in you. He is spending every second of every minute of every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, of your entire life, thinking and moving and crafting your life just for you. Now that's also how big he is because he does that for each one of us. When we start to get a taste... And this is where we we even start learning about how the soul works when we start seeing the power and authority that was in the soul. And again, all the miracles that are described in in the scriptures are solical or natural or supernatural or natural. You know, only, you know, um, Jesus' presence here on this earth was spirit. And his resurrection was spirit. But, and his redeeming us with spirit. But everything else was solical, supernatural, and natural. You know, turning water into wine. That's simply an expression of his soul over over the natural world. And he taught that to disciples that were not spirit, that did not have that glowing spirit within them. They had no their sponge had nothing saturating them. And yet Jesus was teaching them, if you speak to this mountain, be cast into the sea. If you have faith, it will be cast into the sea. He was teaching them, and they were non-Christians. And and the Roman soldier who came up to him and said, you know, I need... Uh, you know, somebody in my family needs healing. I think it was a daughter or son or something. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. And he said, well, no, you don't need to, because I know if you just send the word, healing, my child will be healed. Because he understood by his experience how power and authority work. So much of our lives, so much of what's going on in my life, in your life, is merely a distraction from learning how to live who you are right now, a spirit, spirit with a soul that has a body, living in a body. And yet we're to not just isolate ourselves from the circumstances that God created for us. But we recognize that, you know, think about the time when Jesus came to be born here on this earth. The persecution, the, the you know, under, they were under the Roman thumb. They were the, the time of the civilization. The, you know, why didn't, why didn't God send his son? Why didn't the father send his son like 20 years ago? You know, there are cell phones, and somebody could have been videotaping the Sermon on the Mount and then broadcasting it, live streaming across the world. There was no reason he couldn't do that. Why did he wait 
even, you know, however many thousands of years or tens of thousands or millions of years since he kicked Adam and Eve out. Why then? Why did God send Jesus then? What was special about that time? I'm sure it was just part of his plan. Whether there was, you know, uh, something in particular, I'm sure there was, but it's like, you know, you and I might have picked a different time. Like I said, when, when we can speed things up, I'm not sure God is interested in speeding things up. And yet we look at now where we can share our beliefs and we can share with Christians around the world. We can, you know, help one another and, and, and experience other, one another's lives and, and pray and minister and meditate with one another across the world, across the globe at any given time. And yet, we're still encumbered with the same problems. But that's God's purpose. That's part of his plan. That's part of his intent. So, well, hopefully this gives you some things to think about. And take some time to reflect on any doctrines that you might be, you know, anything that we've talked about that you might go, oh, you know, oh, that rubs you the wrong way. That's fine. But ask God about it. And you're always welcome to drop me a line at org, or contact me through Blog Talk Radio. Also on my website at org, there's a contact form. You can use that as well. We'll be getting back together again same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.